You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. All right. Well, so good to be back again. Um, I see a lot of faces I don't know. I'm, it's good to see new people coming to this church. So if you don't know, um, you ask, what am I thankful for with this church? I got sober in this church. Then I was ordained in this church four years ago. And so I'm very, very thankful for this church and the people here. And so many people were a part of that. And so the, a big chunk of you is with me out there in the, in the, in, in the woods in Washington. So... Uh, so I really appreciate that. It's, it's exciting to be here. What I when we talking about today, I, I, um, our little church is a, um, our community is an over fifty five community. It's a little uh, town that was built in nineteen twenty three for logging, and so all these homes are. Uh, Bob's been there. You see all these little logging homes all through this. It's about two hundred some people, and uh, and they're very. Let's say conservative when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they they really don't anticipate much happening with the Holy Spirit. So I've had, it's been a little struggle to help them through this. So we uh, right before I came, uh, I decided for the men's Bible study we were going to do a treasure hunt. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, what you do is you gather together and you pray, and then you pray for specific things that you're going to have a divine encounter with someone. Where, when you go out. And so you get yourself in little groups. And so there was, in our little group, there was one guy, his name's Vern. Vern just thought this was the dumbest thing he ever heard. So what you do is you say, okay, what is this guy going to be dressed like? And so we came up with canary uh, yellow shirt jeans. Then we said he was an outdoorsman. Well, that's a softball. Everybody in Washington's an outdoorsman. But, but we went with that. Then we said he was in the tech business. Now, you, you think automatically Washington, but down in where I'm at, there's no tech technology. It's chainsaws and pickup trucks. And so, uh, so then we said, what's on this guy's heart? And one of the guys goes, I think it's homelessness. And, I, and then I said, I, go, That's, I got the same thing. I go, I think homes are a big part of this. I think his personal home's a problem, too. And so we talked about that. We prayed about it and prayed about it. Finally, I said, what do you guys think his name is? Vern goes, it's Ralph. Because he wanted to make sure we never got that one right. So, all right, we got Ralph. We go into a Walmart, and I say, let's go down to the sporting goods. And there, looking at rifles and stuff, is a guy with a canary red shirt. I'm, I'm sorry, did I say canary red? Yes. I, well, they don't, they don't have red canaries in Washington. Canary yellow. And, and we got to talking to him, and the things started lining up. And so then I started presenting to him what God told me to tell him. And, and that's what this sermon is. Because the guys told me, he goes, and I've collected this stuff. Uh, Tim Mackey, this guy, that guy, this guy, that and so it's, and I've just used it. And I've never really thought about why, what I'm doing. Have you ever, I don't know, you say things, you do things, you have patterns that you don't really mark down. And, he, and they wanted to know how I understood. They thought that was amazing. He goes, you never said sin, not once. You never said this. And you just explained this. I was ready to be born again. You know, so I'm going to tell you, here's what my little message is. 
And the name of my message is the Bible. What's your story? And here's why. I've come to understand words when they're used certain ways with different emphasis. They can affect how you feel and how you react to the words. And sometimes you come away inspired and you think, oh, gosh, I'm just moved to action. Then other times you're like uncomfortable and uneasy. You've all been there, I'm sure. And how the, we as a church tells the story of the Bible, it matters. It really matters. When someone speaks to us, and they can lead us into a new worldview, and they can take us higher, they can open us up, and, but then other times, we kind of feel beat up and uncomfortable after we've been to church. And I, I, I thought, what is this? And here's what I'm looking at, the central theme. Where and how you begin the story, where and how you end the story, shapes the story that you're and determines the story that you're telling. This is big, because it forces us to examine the big story of the Bible. We preach out of it, we sermonize out of it, we, all these things, and the underpinnings that's lying beneath the surface is what seems to come to the surface whenever we talk about these things. So, guess what we're going to do? We're going to turn to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, first page. I'm just not going to do a lot of reading. Quote verse 11. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. You go, that's a weird one. Why do you pick that one? This is a culture where it was really, really common to worship the creation. You have this poem in which the creator endows the creation and the creator is distinct from the creation. So we've got this pattern is already starting. God being separate from the creation was a radical idea in that day. They worshiped the sun, they worshiped animals, they worshiped everything. And so the creation's been endowed to, and it's been blessed. It's been blessed to do what? To multiply, to dasha. And so it's going to sprout, it's going to produce. And so the creation's pro, a progressive essence. It's got a pattern to it. It's going somewhere. And this creation is not static. It's been given the ability to make more. So God doesn't just create more trees. He gave trees the ability to multiply into more trees. And so this is what's going on in the creation. And so it's dynamic. It's not static. Every day it grows. It changes. It's got something going on. Tomorrow, creation's different than today. And so with that word, it's, it's going somewhere suddenly these new created people go, well, this thing needs to be guided and directed. Someone needs to manage this thing. That leads us to verse 27. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and have dominion. Here's where we heard here man's job. That's man's job on earth, to rule and subdue. Rada and kabash. When you say kabash, you know you're subduing something. You just don't say kabosh. So anyway, so these humans, though, they're in the middle of all of this. They're in the middle of this participation of everything that's going on. They're stewards, and they're, they're not to abuse it because this land, this, this creation is going to sustain them. And so they're going to take care of things, make it continue to grow. And so humanity has a participation with the water, with the plants, with the trees, with the air, the soil, everything. 
And at the center of this human experience is the Creator. And there they are being co-rulers and regents within the creation. This is how the story is beginning. So now we've got this harmony. These levels of creation within the, this hierarchy of God at top, man right here, creation down here. And we've got these co-rulers, male and female, equals, having responsibility. At any point, if they want to be God, that doesn't work. If any point that, that they change the harmony and hierarchy, it doesn't work. And so then in verse 28 it says God blesses them. He blesses them. Barak. Now this is important. In that blessing, we see the spirit merging into all the creation. And this is so important. So in Genesis 1, what? There is no other place. Genesis 1 and 2. There is no other place. It's all there. God, creation, man, everything's there. There is no other place. No one sings, some glad morning I'll fly away. It doesn't happen. It's all there. It begins here. That, don't miss this part. This is really, I can't stress enough about this. In the beginning is all here. God's here, creation's here. Everything is here. Spirit and dirt are united. All the stuff, the earth, trees, grass, rivers, birds, insects, all of it, it's all here. You cannot ascend to a higher state. You, there is no higher state. God's united with creation. That's our beginning of the story. Everything's blessed. Everything's holy. Everything is sacred. That's how the story begins. The story begins here. Then, whatever we love about life began here, Genesis 1 and 2. Beauty, poetry, literature, it all starts here. The thing that you love so much that you just get lost in, all of a sudden you lose track of time, oh my gosh, it starts here, in one form or other. You say, well, I love carpentry. Trees were there. Cut them down, start making your... You know, it it's all starts there, in one form or other. That's, that's so important. Then you go to the back of the Bible. Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be with his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's a very important phrase, by the way. Amen. So why is that important? Because he doesn't turn it around. He doesn't say, I'm making all new things. I'm making all things new. I think it's kainos for new. Not neos, which is like brand new. So, it's, it's, so no more death. You got the river of life. We got all the tree of life. We've got healing of the nations. All things are new. The story ends here. This is important. The story ends here. How? The, you got the, <clears throat> the physical, the participatory. You got humans <clears throat> that will reign, they'll rule with, as co rulers with God. That Radha and Kabash has all been restored, and they'll participate. 
again. Story starts here. The story ends here. This is so big. The story's ending has nowhere else because it all returns to earth. There is no other place. This is it. The ball game is played here. There's no road games anymore. <laughs> so, so Genesis 1 is where it begins. Genesis 21 and 22 is where it ends. So, and so it starts in a garden. And over here, you've you kind of got a complicated system of lots of gardens. But it, it's still, it's back again. It's, it's, this is so important. And, it's, and it's, even without sin, it's still moving. It would be still a beautiful thing. And if, if you took away the sin, you got a pamphlet. Chapter 1 and 2, 22, 21, 22 in, in Revelation. But it would still be moving somewhere. It's, this is really cool. But here's what's important. That's, now let's go to Genesis 3. Let's go to Genesis 3. You have a disruption of the shalom, of that perfect peace, of that order. Everything that was so wonderful, perfect, wholeness, well-being. Genesis 1 and 2 is the perfect picture of shalom with several dimensions. There's peace, health, wholeness between people and people, people and the creator, people and the created. You've got hierarchy. It's a firm hierarchy. God, man, creation. And something has disrupted this. Something's disrupted it. I think that's probably the perfect definition of sin. You disrupt the shalom. So when I've, if, if God intends for the world to be a certain way and with a certain hierarchy, and then if I do things to disrupt that, that's sin. Because God said, I want it this way, and you say, I want it this way. You're in my seat. I'm not accepting the hierarchy. I decide I'm going to get hammered. And so I expect the, the created to do what God can only do. I want, I'm seeking the, the created plants and, and all these other things. I ferment some of them, and then I do this and this. And then I expect the created to give me the fullness that only God can give. That's where I'm sinning because I'm disrupting this stuff. You know, we say that sin is missing the mark. They don't tell you what the mark is. Sin is shalom. Why, why is shalom such a vital part of the Old Testament? Because that was what God had intended. And they knew that. This is so important. And so, I, I don't want to be the guy that's known at St. Peter's Gate. Oh, you thought you were, it wasn't good enough to co-manage. You want to be the boss. Guess what? You're not the boss. Go down there. So, the other thing is, is if death is produced... In Genesis 3, I have to examine myself and say, how have I in some way helped, caused, or, or amplified death in my life around me? Because when I disrupt these things, that's what I'm doing. Most of us don't realize Genesis 3 is not the beginning of the story. Is not the beginning of the story. And it's not the end of the story. Genesis 3 is not the end of the story. When we tell the story, we want to ensure that the rebellion, disruption, the participation in the old order take their proper place after the beginning 
before the end, and we do not minimize it, but we make sure it's in its proper place. This is really important. The sin, depravity, fallen nature of man, when they're told as a temporary condition, treated seriously, but now we can tell the story of Christ. Because Christ has come to do something about this. So now you've got confession, and that's where we admit our sins. And, and, and that Hebrew word is yada. I love all these words. I, I'm just getting used to saying them all. So. And then repentance, teshuva. And I love the Hebrew terminology for repentance. It's, it's really pretty. It's, it's acknowledging that someone has veered off course, and it's an invitation to come back home. Now, now, the next time you think of that, read the prodigal son. When he comes to his senses, he's welcomed to veer back home. And it was, he was invited. He didn't, that makes that picture whole different, doesn't it? And that repentance is dynamic, it's participatory, it's headed somewhere. Because we're going to be given a tax task of going back to who we were and managing and ordering because that invitation is to bring us back into our image and likeness as co-creators. We veer off from doing that. We veer off from the authority God gave us and he, he says, now you're back on the job. What This is important that when we repent, we repent to something so that we can be participating in something. And this is what's cool. So we're to restore and to increase shalom. So the story of God is about renewing all things, about restoring all things, about reconciling all things. Matthew 19, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits at the glorious throne. Acts 3, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore all things. Colossians 1, and through him to reconcile himself to all things. You know what all things actually means in Greek? All things. It doesn't mean anything else. They always do that. Well, in the Greek, no, that actually means. No, it means all things. So the story of God is he's the creator of all things, renewer of all things, restorer of all things, reconciler. So the story starts here, story ends here. But now it gets interesting. Because if you start your story in Genesis 3, then the central story is about the removal of sin. If that's where you start your story, it's all about the removal of sin. You're starting Genesis 3 of, we got sin and we got to get rid of it. Then your message of the Messiah is he's coming to destroy sin. That's his only purpose. Jesus is the orphan man. He's going to get rid of the pest. And, and we're missing, we're really missing this. Instead of, of just removing sin, we want it to go back to the beginning. Jesus is coming to not eradicate so much as to restore, to, to renew, to bring this back again. To restore shalom. And if I'm listening to your story, I will quickly pick up on that what your story's all about. And I don't need theological language. I can feel the pee, the pee under the mattress, if anyone knows what story I'm talking about. 
You may talk about God, you may talk about love, but I know what you're really talking about. It's eliminating sin. I catch it and I smelled it. And an essential and significant dimension about this restoration of shalom is if I start there, it becomes the primary role of God. That's not it. I mean, it's beginning in chapter 3 of Genesis, you lose the you of the creation and you teach a different message of who you are. If your evangelism is going out to convince people that they're sinners, you know what? That's hard and it's really uncomfortable. And I don't do it at all. I, I, I'm not good at it. I've tried it. But if I say, let me paint you a picture. Let me paint you a picture of how God created this world. And really, this is how it starts. And, and it was good. It was good. How many people start your story of evangelism with God created something that was good? It was good, 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 very good. <laughs> and, and that's a good start. You don't have to do that, though. <laughs> but, you know, if we have the backdrop of our story is all these blessings and sin's a disruptor of all this goodness, we have something different to talk about. And then I say... That the, have you ever disturbed the shalom? They look at me and go, I've done that. Come on now. I can see where I'm, I, I, I have, I, I've done that. I've been in that role. And the easiest one for me is, have you ever disturbed the shalom with your wife? <laughs> we all do it. <clears throat> I, you go, well, I don't know. Have you ever had an argument and you lost? And how did you handle it? Yeah, I did it. So this is really big. The message I heard, God loves you, but you're an abomination in his eyes. That's what I heard. I said, well, thanks. I had sold three cars to death. I thought I was doing pretty well. For those who don't know, I used to be in the car business before I... I, 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 I didn't hear it. I, I heard life is a mess. The planet's jacked up, and someday you'll get out of here, and I can show you how. You know, you sl they slip into teaching of this disembodied escape plan. That's what I heard. And actually, I got that from, from Tim Mackey. I, I, I've been using that ever since then. The disembodied escape plan from Earth. And so, but what's going on is rebellion. Not that the earth is jacked up and rotten and it's fallen earth and everything's fallen and it's all decaying. It's jacked up because of our part, our hurt, part, part, I can say this sometimes, <clears throat> our heart posture. Our heart posture is jacked up. And, it's, and we have to, we need some help with having it restored. And so we make everything else the issue. How many, <clears throat> how many of you have ever, oh gosh, oh well, anyway. How many of you have ever had, you've gone to church, you walked out, and you felt totally beat up? Genesis 3. You just heard that. 
And I'm going to tell you, I've talked to pastors about this thing. And you know what I heard? Well, they're sinners, they're going to hell, and i got to deal in reality. And I said, you know what, I've heard some really compelling, moving, truthful messages on how I'm participating in disruption, this shalom, and how that's important for me to see that if I come back to Christ, I can participate in the renewal of the shalom. The repentance to come home is to Genesis 1 and 2. That's what you're coming home to, to the good, 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 very good earth. The story has no room for me to get out of here. That's a different story. So if your story is, is, a, is that, you're telling a different story. Getting out of here is not the story. So now we're going to have some fun. I love these little things. All right, John's Gospel. I like this one. So, you know, John, he starts off by numbering the miracles. How many of you ever noticed that? The first one says, and turn water into wine, and that was the first miracle. Then, the second one is the official son. He heals him, and he says, that's the second miracle. Then he doesn't talk about it anymore, how many miracles. But, number three was at the pool. Number four was feeding 5,000. Number five was walking on water. Number six, he heals the blind man. Number seven, what's number seven? Lazarus comes to life. Life is number seven. Blink, blink, that should be, all right? Because what? What's the number seven? The, the number of perfection of creation. And then what's the number seven for the miracle? Someone coming to life. This is kind of good. So if, if that's, so we go from water to wine, all the way up to new life, then what's miracle number eight? It's called the resurrection. It, it, all right, but number eight then is what? The first day of what? A new week. Uh-oh, we're see how, you know, so anyway, maybe you don't even understand that one. Okay, let's go to this one then. You got a new week. Then you got Mary. Where does she go looking for Jesus in John's story? To a garden. See, to a garden keeper. See, in the Greek, that's wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> so, in the, we got the beginning of a new creation. The, re, the resurrection is the beginning of a new creation in the middle, <clears throat> sorry, in the middle of the old one. And this is cool. This is big. No wonder they want to talk about it everywhere they went. They couldn't wait to tell about it. The apostles everywhere. Jesus, Paul, I preach nothing but the resurrection. Because why? A new creation. A new, it's starting over again. And I know where it's heading. It's going to all come together again. Jesus has come. That, the process has begun. And you're part of it. And then you talk to somebody and you say, the story of Jesus' resurrection is the reaffirming of the goodness of the creation. Of your goodness. Of everything he created in those first two pages of the Bible. All that good, 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 good. He's saying it's good. Ah. 
And he says it's a big help wanted, it's a big help wanted ad. Jesus seeking partners in his plan to make all things new. Uncle Yahweh wants you. <laughs> the stories about participating, about the coming day when the earth and God are one again. You don't go talk to someone to get a yes so they can sit in a pew. You tell them, they say, yes, how, when do I start work? And that changes everything. It changes everything. The Lord's Prayer, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus is constantly talking about now. Kingdom, now. Now, 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 now. He doesn't say, defer it to sometime in an unknown future. He says, now, consummated later, but it starts now. And who wants to get on this train? You, can you tell that story? Can you, now, I'll tell you what, you probably have to tell it to yourself a few times because you probably got a lot of that other story as, you know, well, they, you know, you got to be careful. You got to throw the jabs before you go with your left hook. Just, you know, but it's important to tell the true story so that someone says, why I want to participate. Then guess what you got to do? You have a form of body of Christ that's doing something. Because they want to be a part of it. And guess what? You got food drives. You, you got stuff going on. Because they can be part of it. So I go back to my story. I'm talking to Raul. And we find out that he worked for the water company. So he had a little bit of tech, not much. And he, but he had a real heart for the homeless. That's what he spent his spare time with. His other problem was, he lives out west. You know what I'm about to say. He'd been trying to buy a house. And when the interest rates keep changing, and all this stuff happening. He says every time he turns around, he thinks he's qualified for a house. He finally finds one he thinks he can get, and then something changes in the interest rates or something. Uh, the down payment has to get shifted. He said he can't get a house, and so we, we wanted to pray for him. And, and he, was just, he was just so shocked that we knew this stuff. I said, it's all on this piece of paper. And I said, and the only thing, it looks like the only thing we messed up is your name. He goes, what did you have for my name? And he said, Ralph. And he goes, Okay, he said, you're blanking me. <laughs> he said in English, Raul is Ralph. And I said, Jesus knows your name. <laughs> Vern goes, you're blanking me. <laughs> <laughs> I, before we had gone, I had called a friend of mine, his name, uh, Larry Russell, I, I'll tell you about, maybe sometime I have a chance to talk about old Larry. By the way, Larry Russell went to Fuller and was trained by John Limber. He has every VHS of every lesson. John, he has bookcase full of it. I said, you got to call, uh, well, what's his name, uh, new president of Vineyard. I said, you got to call him. I bet, they, I bet they, Jay doesn't know they have all those. I, he goes, yeah, I have every single one. He goes, I came here to Longview and trained a whole bunch of pastors. And so they have Evangel Church that's 
trained that way. They got some other ones. Anyway, so he, he, was, he had one of his assistants. And so I, he was there. And so he comes over. I, I go, are you guys here? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I go, I'm down in the gun rack. Okay, be right there. Everybody in Washington knows where the gun rack is. And so they, he runs in. And, and so we introduced him and stuff. He came to Christ. Today he's being baptized. I got, I got a message last night that he's being baptized today. It's all because he found out that he was a sinner, but no one called him a sinner. All because he found out there was, a, there was a reason to connect to Jesus Christ. Does he know everything about Jesus Christ? I don't know everything about Jesus Christ. If you do, come and tell me about him. But I am saying he didn't need to know the nuts and bolts. He needed to see the new car. And sometimes we, we, all we want to talk about are the nuts and bolts. And we forget about the new car. And so uh, it's exciting. You can be excited to share the word. So I just want to pray real quick. Father, we, you said go to all nations and make disciples. Make disciples. And tell the good news. Lord, the good news is Jesus. The good news is what's coming. And that leads us to salvation. The good news is you. I have got a cure for anxiety. I have a cure for nightmares. I have a cure for so many diseases because of Jesus and pouring, pouring in his Holy Spirit into me. There's so many things that you're giving by giving them the good news. And then you give them a life mission and you give them value and dignity where there was none before. Lord, let us do this. Let us be the ones that says yes to you. Because you gave us one command, and that was to, to go out. Let us say yes to your command. Let us not hesitate that when the prompting comes, there's a divine appointment, and we go. You don't have to have a treasure hunt, because the gold is everywhere you walk. Father, I just want to read this last little passage. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes that were, and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Lord, let us be with them. Let us be standing our robes cleaned and washed in your, in your blood. Allow us to be your co-rulers and regents directing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thine Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.